What's up, Lions of Liberty fans? You can now support this show on Patreon and get exclusive access to bonus audio and video content, including Conspiracy Corner, Degenerate Gamblers, bonus segments with guests, and so much more. Head on over to patreon.com slash Liberty. Welcome to Felony Friday, a presentation of the Lions of Liberty podcast. Here is your host, John Odermatt. Felons, friends, and freedom lovers, welcome back to another edition of Felony Friday, a weekly show right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. Of course, Felony Friday is the only show that I know of, at least, the only podcast that 100% every episode focuses on exposing injustice in this nation's broken criminal justice system. If you're new to this show, welcome. Great to have you here. Please consider subscribing. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, all those different podcasting apps. We're on all of them. We're also, this episode here, we'll also be on YouTube. Most Felony Friday episodes are published on YouTube as well with the video from the interview. If you are a veteran listener of this show, of the Lions of Liberty podcast, please help us spread the message of liberty, help us to reach more ears, and share this show. We ask you to share it in on your Facebook page, Facebook groups, email it to your friends. Um, get this show out there. Get all of the Lions of Liberty shows out there. We really do appreciate it. Of course, we have two other shows. On Monday, we have a show hosted by Mark Clare. It is our longest-running program, our flagship program, where Mark interviews leaders in the liberty movement. And from time to time, also, we'll host roundtable discussions known as Libertarians in Living Rooms Drinking Liquor. And every Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land. It is your weekly dose of culture comedy and liberty it's hosted by none other than brian mcwilliams and brian is a funny guy well at least he thinks he's a funny guy so that that counts for but it's an it's an entertaining show brian is doing a bang up job with it so check it out and subscribe like i said this episode of felony friday is episode 133 so that means You'll be able to find the show notes page with links and notes to everything that I talked about with my guest today at lionsofliberty.com slash FF133. I got a great guest, so let's bring him on. My guest today on Felony Friday is Randy Kearse. Randy is the founder and CEO of Reentries Strategies. Uh, the concept for reentry strategy was created while he was serving his 15-year sentence in federal prison for a nonviolent drug offense. While serving this sentence, Randy had a growing desire to live and experience a better quality of life, which he knew that he could not do, that could not be obtained through his current lifestyle that he was leading in prison. Now, during his incarceration, Randy quickly discovered that if he wanted to change, then he'll have to take responsibility, personal responsibility, to rehabilitate himself in his own in his own way. So, because of this, because of this rehabilitative programming, um, it, it was outdated. The, the one that was currently within the system, and it was not created by people who shared the current life experiences that Randy experienced, and just a lot of the rehabilitation. Re- uh, 
a lot of the rehabilitation programs just were non-existent. So after years of uh, soul searching and reflection uh, and really coming face to face with these personal truths that Randy discovered, he was able to create, develop, and implement a strategy that helped him reach the ultimate goal of change and successful transition from prison back to family, community, and society. Randy, welcome to Felony Friday. Hey, man. Thank you, man. I really appreciate you uh, inviting me on your show, and I'm happy to be here. Well, thanks for coming on, Randy. And uh, you know, I want to talk about reentry strategies with you and how that formed and the mission behind it and all that stuff. Before we get to that, though, I mean, I think a very important aspect of your story is what, what got you into that mm-hmm. situation and, um, and how that happened. And really, a good place to start, I like to ask all my guests about really their background growing mm-hmm. up. What was the environment like? Uh, what was their mm-hmm. experience like uh, mm-hmm. during their youth? So, Yeah, I mean, I grew up in um, Brooklyn, New York. I'm from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, pretty much came from a really good uh, family background, two-parent household. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I, di- I didn't fit the typical, stereotypical uh, picture of one who would think that my life would go down the roads that it has, has went down. Um, I came from a, a home that had very good morals, values, two working parents. Uh, I could have pretty much went in any direction that I wanted to go in as far as you know, having the support and the love for my family. But the excitement and the, the thrill of the streets uh, was really what gr- grabbed me uh, uh, when I was at a young age. I'm going to say like from 14, 15 years old. And it just began to be more exciting. Um, I was getting one lesson in the home, but I was getting a whole different education on the streets. And the streets was more uh, alluring. It was more, po- you know, it was just it was just exciting, you know, mm-hmm. girls and money and all of that type of thing. So, I mean, I went to, pre- I went to jail. Uh, the first time I went to jail was at uh, 17 years old. Uh, unfortunately, I stabbed someone in a skating ring, um, wound up doing six months, five years probation. Uh, with that, I pretty much solidified my street credibility, my reputation. Was, was that, just to backtrack, was that a, uh, a fight where that happened or was there? Yeah, 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 it was a fight. You know, fight broke out, me and some of my friends against these other guys from another uh, part of New York, and I wound up stabbing one of these guys. And I, I was adjudicated a, youth, a youthful offender, you know. And what, what I always re, um, think back to that time, that was a very pivotal moment for me at, at, in my life where that was the first time I was ever really arrested for anything serious. So um, you would think that I was charged with attempted murder. You would think that would have been enough uh, to slow me down, to stop me in my tracks, to realize, you know, just how serious things um, had gotten. But unfortunately, I decided that that was something that I could wear as a badge of honor. And I used that to um, basically grow my reputation in the streets. And before you know it, um, I started dealing drugs, probably like about 18, 19 years old. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, I was had like a, uh, a whole operation that was moving drugs from New York to North Carolina had probably like 25 people working for me. I had a partner. Um, and in 1992, uh, the federal government uh, decided that they had enough of me and they decided to indict me. And I wound up with 15 years in federal prison, which of I did 13 and a half because there's no good time. So you, you said earlier that you grew up in a, a household with two working parents that were supportive. Yeah. 
um, yeah. probably encouraging your education. Yeah. Did they know that, that you were dealing drugs at that time? Were you hiding it or how'd you get around that? Well, I mean, it's so much you can hide from your parents because your, your parents are really the ultimate detectives. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the first <laughs> cops that you run into. <laughs> so, you know, my mom found out, you know what I'm saying? And she wasn't happy with it because it ran counter to everything that I was learning at home, you know, but at the same time, you know, the love that she had for me and, you know, it was my brothers as well, um, superseded what we were doing. And she just hoped that one day that we would be able to come back to uh, the lessons that she had gave us in the home. And she prayed a lot for us and stuff like that. She never got involved in our life, that part of our life, but she was still encouraging us to do something better with our life during that period of time. So, you know, it, it was a, it was a, it was a very tumultuous time during, in my family at that time. I can, I can only imagine. Um, so w- when the arrest went down, did you have any idea that you were in trouble? Do you have any idea they were closed in on you or was it a total shock? Yeah, no, no, no. I knew. I mean, after like being, um, uh, involved in this business, you pretty much know when the end of your road is coming. So um, we heard about the indictments because uh, guys that were working for me were getting picked up. So the word was out that they were looking for, you know, me and my partner. So mm-hmm. we were pretty much um, just running on borrowed time. So when they came and I finally was apprehended, I pretty much knew that that was, um, that was, that was what it was all about. So take us through the, uh, the trial, I mean, was there a, did you strike a plea deal or? Yeah, well, well, actually, I mean, I, I pleaded guilty because I was guilty. You know, I, I'm not, I, don't, I don't have this story of someone who was falsely incarcerated or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had s- several co-defendants who were just, you know, waiting in the bullpen to, you know, basically tell their story on me. So had I went to trial, I would have probably wound it up maybe with a life sentence or something like that or more time that I originally got. So, you know, I pled out and just took my time like a man and, 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 and went on and went on with my life. And how much time did you end up doing overall? Uh, I did 13 and a half years. 13 and a half years. Yeah. So what kind of like changes with your, with your viewpoint did you go through over that time? Were you in denial at first? Did that, I mean, did that change? Did you? Yeah, I mean, change. Yeah, I mean, change doesn't come easily. I mean, it's a process. I'm going to say for the first five years, you know, I really wasn't focusing on change. You know, I was just going through the motions of trying to, you know, get through the time and, and do the best time that I can do without getting involved in any uh, uh, altercations, any violence. Uh, people, you know, so many things are going on in the prison. You know, so many different things are at play. So you, you're just trying to just stay clear of all of the stuff that's going on for the first five years. Um, after about five years, I really started taking a really serious good look at my life, seeing, you know, the choices that I made that got me incarcerated, um, understanding that if I, if I didn't want to come back, that I had to make some different choices, mm-hmm. you know, and then I had to unlearn a lot of the mindset and behaviors um, that I had learned uh, to survive in the street. You know, I had to unlearn all of that stuff. I had to unravel all of those um, thought processes and values that you learn, you know, about in the street, about respect and this and that. And you really see, like, none of it makes any sense. 
Mm-hmm. You know, none of it is, I mean, it's a bunch of bull. So you start unraveling it and then you start to get into know yourself. And then I started, you know, reconciling with my family. Um, me and my mother became, you know, very close again. You know, unfortunately, my father passed while I was incarcerated, you know, but just basically getting back to who I was before I decided to, to live that life. And it, mm-hmm. it just was a process, a process. And um, thankfully, you know what I'm saying? I was able to um, um, embrace the process in a way that it wasn't just for the moment. You got a lot of people who change, but they only change because for the moment, because it's a jailhouse change. That's what I say. You know, they're telling people, oh, I'm doing different things when I get out. Da, 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 da. When they get out, they forget about everything they said, everything they promised, everything that they thought about, and they go right back to the street. So what's, what's the key to, or from your experience, what's the key to sustaining that change once uh, you do get out on the street? Me, one of the things that I kept forefront to this day is not wanting to go back. You know what I'm saying? That's mm-hmm. one of the things that I keep at the, at, at the forefront of my thoughts that I'm just one bad decision from going back to prison. So I know that everything that I do, that I have to make sure that I think it through and not act on impulse or, or, or reflex or anything like that. So once you can, don't forget, don't forget where you came from and with the struggles that you had to endure in order to uh, live the life that you're living now. I think that's most important. And then you got to look at the people that you might let down. You know, if you wind up going back to the street, Mm -hmm. my mother, my children, myself, you know, all of the people that have supported me over the years through my work and my message and everything like that. So it's bigger than just me. You know, I have people really looking at, you know, me as an individual and, and seeing what the possibilities are if you decide to change. So I can't say that I changed and then... I'm still doing the same stuff that I was doing behind closed doors. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a really good point. And another aspect of it that, that I've heard other people talk about is, um, you know, you get to a point, you either get get a career started or you start a business, and you have something on the line. You have something to lose. Mm-hmm. And, and talking about with, with with your family too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. another important thing. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's another reason for for families to you know to, to support their loved ones when they go into prison because mm-hmm. because they need that. Um, mm-hmm. But to have that you know that feeling that you know I've I've established myself outside. I can make it out here. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't want to lose this life. It's better than the life I had in there. Mm-hmm. And I think when people you know don't have that when they sort of have nothing to lose, that's, that's sort of a dangerous situation. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have, to, you have to create. You have to create something for yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, what I decided to do, I basically decided to basically uh, reinvent myself and, 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 and turn my life around to the way, like you said, you know, I have so much to lose that I don't, I don't play games no more. And not only just, you know, about my family, my mother and everything like that, but freedom it's the most precious thing in the world, man. You can't put a price on freedom. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Freedom is priceless. I mean, just to be able to have the freedom to go into your refrigerator and, and, and pour a glass of juice, you know, without somebody telling you, hey, put that juice down. Hey, get out of that refrigerator. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or to go and watch what you want to watch on TV without having thinking somebody going to stab you because they want to watch something different from what you want to watch. Now, argument starts, violence starts, like... Who wants to live that kind of life? Mm-hmm. So when you when you value freedom, I mean, it's a lot easier. 
Yeah. I mean, that, that's amazing. Put it in that way. Just, just a simple, no, just as simple as I, I love that. Exactly. As simple as, as pouring a glass of juice. I mean, just a simple thing like that. That's, I think that's, that's, that's beautiful. I mean, but to not be able to, I mean, that really highlights just the stark difference between the two things. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a scary situation, but I want to talk a little bit about, uh, let's shift towards talking about, um, Reentry strategies, uh, sort of shift on the way there. So, what were some of the keys to your own reentry success? I mean, I have several um, different keys, and what actually um, I wrote a book. My first book I wrote was uh, "Changing Your Game Plan," uh, which is right here. Changing Your Game okay. Plan: How I Used Incarceration as a Stepping Stone for Success. And this is pretty much a, 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 a chronicle of my transformation while I was incarcerated, um, how I was able to shift that mindset while I was incarcerated, the examining, the self-examination uh, of myself while I was incarcerated, and all of the things that I did while I was there. You know, I didn't wait till I got out to decide to make some changes. Mm-hmm. I just started making, I started making changes while I was there. I started working on myself while I was there. So, you know, I started looking at my attitude. I started looking at my perspective uh, on life. I started looking at um, my vocabulary, something like, you know, how to articulate myself. I started Mm -hmm. looking at all of the things that I knew that I needed in order to be able to navigate those challenges and those obstacles and those struggles that I knew that I would face when I got out. How can I talk to an employer about my past without him feeling um, that I'm not worthy of a second chance? How would I be able to open up my own business if I can't go in and articulate myself to the bank or how to know how to, you know, navigate the forms and the the licenses and the certificates or whatever the case may be. So those are the things that I talk to people about in my book, again, changing your game plan. And once I got out, you know, I had a plan and I had a plan. I knew what I I wanted to do. And I just slowly, uh, meticulously executed my plan when I got out. When I got out the first week, I had a job. It wasn't a good job, but it was a job. It was a messenger. I was a messenger in New York. I was making minimum wage, and I was walking around New York City for like eight to 10 hours a day delivering packages and going from one part of the city to the other part of the city, rain, sleet, snow, summer. I mean, I didn't want to do it. Were you in a car, on a bike, or? I was on my feet. <laughs> was you're, on my, oh, you're walking, yeah. okay. Yeah, I mean, because you in New York, you know, we have the subway system, so mm-hmm. if, you're, if, you're, if you have to take the subway, you get on the subway, but most of the times you're walking from one part of town to the other part to deliver these packages. So would you have, like, a bunch of packages with you, or, yeah? I would have letters, packages, you know, whatever right. I had to take from one place to another, I would have to pick up from maybe a, one business, and take a folder to another business or a dress or whatever case may be. You mm-hmm. know, that's because we're such a big city. That's how, you know, things are moved around a lot of times in the city. So I took that job knowing that my past wouldn't play uh, an integral part about me not getting a job. So I took that because I knew I needed a job. And the, one of the most important things for anybody who is making that transition from incarceration is getting employment is the first, the first thing to help them plant their feet back right. in society. So once I got the job, you know what I'm saying? I saved all my money. I saved all my money. I saved all my money. After about 10 months to a year, I bought a van and then I started driving for the company. 
So now my money income started increasing. Now I can start looking at launching my books and all the other stuff that I'm doing. And it's been wonderful. So uh, this book came out uh, several years ago and I've sold over 80,000 copies of this book by myself. That's incredible. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, I'll get on the subway in New York and I sell my books to people from all walks of life. I mean, every nationality, every race, every background, because my story or my message is not just about incarceration. It's about being able to break free from the mindset that a lot of people uh, uh, um, box themselves in mm -hmm. and don't step out of their comfort zones, how to, how to reach your full potential, even when you're going through the worst time of your life. So, I, I mean, life has been great for me, man. Yeah, th there's a quote I, I want to ask you about this, a quote I read on your website, and it's talking about just what you're talking about. You're saying, this is a quote, quote from you, I was in prison mentally way before I went to prison physically. Exactly. Once I was able to change my thinking, I was able to change my life. Now I show people how to free themselves from that mental prison while doing time in a physical one. That's, that's so profound. Can you just expand on that a little bit? I mean, a lot of times it's, it's not the, the, the barbed wire and the concrete fences and, 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 and the, the walls that keep people uh, uh, locked in. Mm -hmm. It's the way we think that keeps us boxed in, that keeps us in our own prison. You know, you have people who have never stepped foot in a physical prison, but they living in a mental and emotional prison every day, and whether it's relationships, whether uh, they're uh, ad addictions, whether they're um, having trauma that they haven't been able to uh, resolve and move past. So, you know, you have people that go to work every day, don't want to go home. Yeah. Or, or, or the other way, pe people who uh, they go to work, maybe they're working in a, in a cubicle, yeah, corporate America, and they're stuck there. They're afraid they're miserable. to make a change. To yeah, get they're miserable. They're, you have people that get up every day for 20, 25, 30 years and are miserable when they go to work. Mm -hmm. They're miserable with their life. So if that's their prison. So I show people how to break free from that, you know, based on my own personal experience. So I tell people, if I can accomplish all the things that I've accomplished since getting out of prison, you know, I've written five books. Um, I started a TV show, wow. had a newspaper. I've been on numerous TV and uh, 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 radio shows and stuff like that. Um, I speak and I travel and I'm doing so many different things. I did a film series. I'm working on a documentary. If I did all of that after spending 13 years in prison, what is your excuse? And you've never been to prison. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's that's I mean, fantastic. I mean, well, let me real? ask you something about just from a productivity standpoint, because I, I try to do a bunch of different things too. I have, you know, I have, I have this show, I have a real estate business, I have a corporate job still, but so how do you how do you stay organized with all those different things going on? Do you have a a secret or a routine or something that you fall back on? No, um, I, I pretty much like compartmentalize things that I need to do, and I just make a list. You know, maybe it's a mental list. Sometimes I write stuff down, and I just knock off the list. Mm -hmm. I knock them off. I knock them off, and I set goals. And I and once I set a goal, I have a date to finish it, and I just knock it off. I just recertified for my TV studio certificate, my podcast studio certificate, and my uh, mini studio certificate. Those are three things that I wanted to accomplish in June. And I did it. Bang. You know what I'm saying? Now it's time to move on for something. So, you know, I know it's, 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 it's not easy. 
I mean, you have to also, I find what I, some of the things that I brought from prison to the street was time management, how to manage your time. That's very important. You know what I mean? And I think that a lot of people don't realize how important time management is to the, to, uh, the success of what they're trying to do. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't like to talk frivolously. I don't like to have frivolous conversations. I don't really watch a lot of nonsense on TV. I don't mm-hmm. spend time talking nonsense. And I, I, I try to make sure that at the end of every single day that I know how I spent my time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny. Um, I forget who said this. I just heard it recently talking about time management. It's, it's, if you think about it, it's really not time management. I mean, time's just going to go. You're not going to stop mm-hmm. time. It's, yeah, it's managing yourself. But Yeah, true. Absolutely yeah, it's all, right. yeah, it's all a part of it. I mean, being disciplined. There's mm-hmm. so many different distractions in, in a day in our life. You know what I'm saying? I used to play Candy Crush. And I found that was taking up too much of my time. Mm-hmm. I'm not spending two, three hours on Candy Crush trying to get to the next level. Yeah. And when I get to the next level, there's no reward. So I want to I want to go to the next level where there's a reward. You know exactly. what I'm saying? So if I'm gonna spend two hours doing something, I want to make sure that at the end of the day I've got a reward and I can say, okay, well, now I'm ready to go to the next level. Fantastic. So you have all this other all this stuff going on, writing books, these other businesses, you founded reentry strategies. Yes. yes. What was the motivation there? What was uh you know, what was what was there, you know, like a, a breaking point where you said this uh, this is something I gotta do. Well, reentry re- strategies was born out of, you know, my overall experience of being incarcerated and in federal prison. There weren't a whole lot of um, great rehabilitative programs available for us while we were incarcerated. Um, they gave you this pre-release class six weeks before you were supposed to go back out into the street. Mm-hmm. That was a joke. I mean, all you had to do was sign the paper and you can pretty much go anywhere you want. You can go back to your unit and go to bed. You can go to the gym. You can go anywhere you wanted. There was no accountability. There was nobody to say, you know, hey, you're going home. So this is what you need to do. So that was one thing. Then the next thing was um, because I was getting such a great response to this book, Changing Your Game Plan, that uh, counselors from prisons were emailing me, sending me letters. I was getting letters from inmates telling me how the book actually was working for them, how they were using them in groups, and just how powerful the book was for the guys and the women incarcerated. So one of my goals was to basically take this and create a more structured way to use the steps that I put in this book. And that's what I decided to do. I created a workbook, which is called Change Your Game Plan, uh, the success, the blueprint for successful. Uh, prison reentry, and then there, I created a journal, and it's a whole program that one can use uh, to really uh, look at their life and see exactly what they need to do in order to move on and be able to um, live a successful life after incarceration. So, reentry strategies was born to be able to um, have a, a platform to promote these programs, to have an avenue to for these programs to be put out because. I mean, I get so many people telling me, you know, a guy just contacted me not too long ago. He did 18 years and he didn't know what to do. He got mm-hmm. out. He didn't know what to do. He didn't, have, he didn't know how to get ID. He didn't know how to go about getting uh, any help from social services. He didn't know what to do. And I'm saying, bro, what did you do for 18 years? Like, what was you doing? Like, did you realize, like, you know, you was getting out? Like, 
what and that's and that's the case for a lot of people you know so i wanted to be able to you know create something more uh um something more powerful for these guys especially coming from somebody who already walked that walk you have programs in the facilities some programs and facilities but they're not written developed or created by people who actually have lived that experience so that's why my work is so powerful because i've been there and i'm doing what i said i'm doing in these in this program so how does that work do you have contracts with these prisons or uh, well, how, well, do you, right, how do you gain access there? Well, right now, um, I've had uh, several prisons um, reach out to me and want to do like pilot programs using my material and pilot um, pilot settings, see how you know they, they, they work with the uh, mm-hmm. guys and stuff like that. I've had some people um, use my programs and reentry programs, um, program materials in their reentry program. Basically, um, how could I say like, kind of unauthorized as far as like, you know, they had this whole, this is what's mind blowing about prison reentry. They have this, this, this thing about, uh, they want programs to be, um, what is this term that they use? Ah, man, it's a term that they use Mm -hmm. evidence-based evidence-based. They want the program to be evidence-based. So they won't really kind of like embrace your program unless it's evidence-based. But I say to that, with all of the evidence-based programs that are out there, why is the recidivism rate still so yeah, is, high? Are, are their programs evidence-based? I yeah. mean, <laughs> Where's the, ev- the evidence? Yeah. Is, it's saying it doesn't work. You know yeah, exactly. Look, look at the freaking evidence. Exactly, because the recidivism rate is so high nationally. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, I'm slowly um, getting a lot of uh, uh, people that's, you know, te- checking me out. I'm working with an organization in New York uh, called Exodus. They're actually about to implement my program okay. at the reentry program and in the prison they're, they're in. And I've had little minimal successes getting into prisons, but I'm really trying to make this the go-to program uh, for prison reentry uh, throughout the United States. I also created a film series called Beyond Prison Probation and Parole, where we've interviewed 10 people who have successfully transitioned from prison, started their own businesses, became entrepreneurs, went back and got masters and PhDs and, you know, <coughs> excuse me. <laughs> and we're telling their stories. And then we attach a uh, workshop with each video to be able to hopefully inspire those who are inside and show them what tips and recipes for success that other people have had. Have had. <laughs> well, that is, uh, I mean, I, I had no idea that you've, you've read five <coughs> books, you have all this other content. Yeah. Um, I mean, my audience is going to, is going to love this. So w- where can they, access what's what's the easiest way for them to access all this stuff um they can go to my website which is reentrystrategies.com r-e-e-n-t-r-y-s-t-r-a-t-e-g-i-e-s.com reentries.com uh they can email me at reentrystrategies at gmail.com um and yeah i mean all the information is on online there's a um a separate uh way that we work with uh, facilities and organizations uh, that work with formerly incarcerated or incarcerated individuals. And there's a way to use this uh, from a family standpoint. You know, don't wait for your, uh, uh, your, your loved one's prison to bring my program into the prison in order to be able for your loved one to get it. You can actually purchase my material and send it to your loved one yourself. 
and you can help them and be proactive in their prison uh, transformation and helping them prepare for get out. So that's what I'm saying. You have to be proactive in your own change, mm-hmm. and you have to support those um, that that you you know your loved ones that are incarcerated, and not wait for the system to provide them. Because at the end of the day, they're more interested in you coming back, not staying home. Well, that's awesome, Randy. I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, it's been great talking with you, getting to know you, and uh, we'll have to have you back on a little, little while down the road. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you, man. And um, thank you for having me on your show. And I think you're doing a wonderful job. And I look forward to staying connected with you. And, and tell your uh, audience that have loved ones uh, that are incarcerated um, to support them, uh, believe in them. Um, and also, I always say this. It's not how much time you do. Is what you do with the time. That's what's most. Impo- that's what's most important. I like that. Well, thank you, Randy. Thank you, man. Thank you, guys, so much for tuning in today for my interview with Randy Kearse. Um, Randy, just an exceptional guy. I had a really great time talking to him, and for what he's been through, it's it's amazing. Really, fifteen years in prison. And completely changed his mindset, came out and just hit the ground running it. I mean, the dude is crushing it. He's written, what do you say, five? I think five books. I can't remember. Uh, has the public access TV show. He has the, a podcast that he's starting. Just a ton of stuff going on. A guy that is just getting after it. And I absolutely love that. And of course, he's helping others. He's reaching out, helping others who are in his position and helping them out with learning uh, the basics, learning the uh, process procedures and best practices for reintegrating, for getting re-entry, a successful re-entry back into society. So Randy, thank you for what you're doing. Um, it's a, it's a great service and I wish you nothing but success. And I, I think, uh, you know, I think it's always great and a little bit more, you know, I love having this show. Um, I love what I do here. I love Felony Friday. I love the guests that I interview. But I think maybe some people think that I sort of lack a little credibility, and I can understand why, because I have not served time in prison. Now, when you have people like Randy, Randy Kearse, who has done the time, and he knows how to find success after prison, Randy's the total package. I'm not the total package when it comes to this topic right here. Um, I'm doing the best I can with the knowledge I have, and I'm really the way I look at it is I'm trying to give others, like Randy, that platform, that platform to get their message out, to grow what they're trying to do, and bring attention to what they're trying to do, because I think that is the most important thing. So I hope you guys enjoyed this show. I thought it was freaking awesome. Um, I think Randy's a great guy, and hope to uh, collaborate with him in the future. I just want to ask everyone out there listening, if you enjoy this show, if you're a veteran listener of Felony Friday, of the Lions of Liberty podcast, I want to ask you, please consider becoming a Patreon of our show. For as little as $5 a month, uh, you can get access to all kinds of uh, exclusive bonus content that we publish every single week week. We have uh, a bunch of regular shows that we that we churn out, bonus shows. Uh, we have a show called Conspiracy Corner, where we dive in and, and talk about different crazy conspiracies. We have a show called Degenerate Gamblers, where 
at least during football season, we talk about uh, gambling and we talk about some some bets and things like that. All imaginary, of course. But we also just, you know, shoot the shit and tell stories and have a good time. And a lot of people enjoy Degenerate Gamblers. So we have other shows, too. We have some, obviously, if we have a guest uh, that has some, we can get them on for some, for some extra time and get some questions from the members of the Alliance of Liberty Pride. Then we'll do a little bonus segment with a guest, which is which is cool. Love doing that. Love releasing interviews early to the Pride as well. So for as little as five a month, you get that. Um, we go all the way up to 100 a month. The uh, $100 level, you get a bunch of free merchandise, three free T-shirts, poster. Um, you get a conference call with us. And you get to advertise on the show. One episode per week, you get an advertisement if you have a show or something that you want to get the word out for. Our next lo- lowest level, um, from 100, we go to 25. You don't get the advertising there. You get everything else. You get one less shirt. You also get our newsletter. And 100, you get our um, weekly news links every Monday through Friday. Uh, Howie Snowden, our news link uh, curator, pulls the most incredible best news links that I, I'm, I feel like I'm the most informed person in the world because I have the middle step right now of taking the links from Howie and sorting them and then sending them out. So I read everything and it, it takes time, but it's uh, I feel like I'm probably the most educated person in the world. So you should probably want to be too. And that starts at the $15 level. You get those news links. So Consider joining. We also have the $10 level, but you can find that all at patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. I've been rambling for far too long, so I'll just say thank you so much for listening. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning. Burning.